Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Freelancer Podcast. I am your host, Heidi, and here on the show, we talk about true remote freelancing, where you get to work with multiple clients when and where you want, doing the work that you love, and kind of, you know, getting out of that toxic, tough office life that can happen when you're an employee in fashion. Um, that was how I built my career after I got super burnt out from the long, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks being underpaid at a job. And then I had my own brand and that was also real, real rough and, uh, was not the dream that I thought it was going to be. And then I found freelancing and I built my career to over hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, I did that for a decade and it was amazing. Uh, and now I spend most of my time teaching aspiring freelancers like you how to kick ass and become successful fashion freelancers. That's exactly what we talk about here on the show. And today I'm really, really pumped to bring one of my students um, from my Freelance Accelerator program on, Stacy. Stacy is a really kick-ass person. And in my conversation with Stacy, we talk a lot about mindset and how she has approached some of her projects and she has approached pitching and she has approached talking with brands and clients, like a lot of the things that you do as a freelancer can feel very intimidating. And she talks a lot about how she has wrapped her head around tackling some of these intimidating tasks. Um, But beyond that, as you probably guessed from the title of this episode, she did just land a $10,000 project. She got it on Upwork, uh, which is super exciting. And she talks us through the strategies that she used to pitch that client, to get them on a phone call, to put the proposal together, um, and to land the project. So amazing, super exciting. Um, So Stacey talks all about her career, how she built her freelance career, what she did before she was a freelancer when she worked in the industry. Um, And then we go pretty deep into this project and how she has managed um, to to get it. Uh, So, so many great insights on that that she's going to share. And I'm really excited to share her her conversation with you. Um, If you are curious about what it's like inside a freelance accelerator as one of my students to get access um, to all of my templates, all of my tutorials, all the strategy that you need to build and grow your career as a fashion freelancer, you can head on over to soheidi.com slash fast. That's F-A-S-T. We'll link that up in the show notes. Um, You can get your name on the wait list. It only opens a couple times a year. So get on the wait list and watch if you are interested. You can also grab Grab all of my free resources at soheidi.com slash freelance, again, linked in the show notes, um, so you can start digging into some stuff right now. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. If you like the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening so that you can get notified of future episodes. We air every other week. Um, and without further ado, I think it's time to chat with Stacy. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, Stacy, holy cow. I feel like we've had these little bits of conversations over the years and I finally get to talk to you. Well, it's a little bit feels like in person. Um, so welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we're going to dive into all the details. Yeah, absolutely. Hey podcast. How's it going? Um, my name is Stacy. I am a full-time freelancing apparel designer. I actually specialize in two niches because why not? Um, I do <laughs> activewear and I also do licensed branded apparel. Okay. So. 
Yeah. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your start in the industry. I think you graduated in like 2015. Close. Yeah. yeah. So um, I kind of did the whole educational gambit, if you will. Um, yeah. So I have a bachelor's of science. I went to the University of Minnesota um, and I've kind of always had like my hand in costuming. I'm like a giant nerd. I love D&D. Shout out Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> and uh you know, I spent a lot of time at conventions. So I did a lot of costuming and I did a lot of sewing and creating. Um, and then I went to school for apparel design. Um, yeah. And then I graduated from there with a bachelor's of science, not a bachelor's of arts. Kind of cool. Did a lot of technical design in that. Okay. Like tell us yeah. a little, just really quickly, like what's the difference in that? It, it, you went to, it was fashion school, like a fashion program. Yep, it was a fashion program. So what mm-hmm. differentiated, was it like just more technical, like fitting, yeah. pattern making, that sort of thing that was science or? Yeah, no, for sure. So I was talking to somebody about this the other day, actually. Um, and some people get a uh, bachelor's of arts and I got a bachelor's of science. So uh, basically one of the foundational courses, we actually shared um, design thinking like 1001 with um, pre-engineer students too. So it was oh, like- wow engineer thinking and then they kind of took us through design courses too so I did a little bit of like technical and creative it's kind of this really interesting fusion yeah okay very cool all right so keep going so you did that yeah and then um I uh graduated and um got a job as a prototyping like sample cutter if you will so basically we would, this is like before you would even do like pre-pro. So I was basically cutting like the very first samples. Okay. And then I would just drop them on the sample floor, kind of like get all the trims and the components together. So I was the first one with the hands on like the fabrics. Um, so I learned quite a bit about like factory and sampling. Was that like at a factory or were you at a brand that like had a small sampling room? No, it was actually a factory. So it was, um, it was one of those factories. You guys have a fancy algorithm, not algorithm, um, letter. I can't even think of the word right now. I'm sorry. My brain is not okay, working. You're good. Uh, it's like three letters, but basically it was like a full stop production house. Oh, yes, house. yes, yes, yes. Um, oh my gosh. Why am I blanking on it too? There's a, <laughs> it's, it, it stands for something. Uh, CMT. Well, no, CMT is cut, make trim. Yep. And then there's the other one. Oh my God. I'm totally blanking on it too. That does full <laughs> service. Um, yes. FSP, full service provider, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who wants to create a brand comes to this factory and is like, hey, I want to create a brand. Can you make me these leggings? And then the place is like, cool. Yeah, we'll totally do that. We'll draw it for you. We'll spec it for you. We'll prototype it for you. We'll pattern it for you. Yep. And if you want us to do production, you totally can. can, They can do that too. Was that in Minnesota? Was. Okay. Are you still there? No, actually. Um, I left there after about... I think that'd maybe a year, year and a half. Okay. Um, and then I went to, it's kind of a fun story. Um, <laughs> I went to, it's the second largest Halloween costume company in the world. Is it Spirit? And it's in, it's based, no, oh. it's uh, based in Mankato, Minnesota. Okay. Um, it's called HalloweenCostumes.com. Okay. They got the URL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I basically, I uh, got on as a apparel designer for them. So wow. I started designing crazy stuff, like anywhere from toddler to plus size. It was really, really fun. Like anything from like zombie to princess to like anything? Or a zombie princess. Or a zombie princess. 
Wow. Okay, that could be like a whole nother podcast interview. I would be so interested to dive into that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It um, is such a fun and crazy world, I have to say. Yeah. Like, things you never thought you'd be designing in apparel, you design in yeah. health costume. Yeah. You really got to like make your brain like pudding, right, and wrap or jelly and like wrap it around some yeah. crazy ideas to make it real. Wow. Okay, so you did costume design for like the whole gamut. How long did you do that for? It's like almost four years. Okay. So that brings us to like, what, maybe 2020? Yeah. And then what? Besides the pandemic. Then, I, <laughs> then yeah, well, I think I stayed, so it was cool because they would, they uh, were down with us working remote. So that okay. was fine. Okay. So you were there as the pandemic happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and man, it was so cool. I have to like, I have to rewind back and just talk about one more thing about that company. Um, I found like my niche in licensing at that job. Yeah. So I worked with probably over a hundred licenses, like anywhere from board games to books, to TV, to video, um, even to anime. It was kind of cool. So like go back, you know, I'd like done cosplay as a young person yeah. to come back to professional career to actually be working on something that was officially licensed by some of these crazy companies was really, really a really cool full circle. That is really cool. So for people that don't, or maybe new to the industry, don't quite understand licensing, give us that in like a one or two sentence where you get the rights to use the stuff. Sure. Okay. Let me compose that really quick. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I mean, I could say it, but I, no, it's okay. I, I always like hearing how other people say it. I did, I did collegiate licensing stuff. So I didn't do like, I didn't do like, you know, board games and Disney and that sort of thing, but I did a lot of collegiate stuff. So I get it. Yeah. Um, so it kind of comes down to what your licensing team and your buying team want, right? Because they determine what licenses they're going to buy. Yeah. So then they go and pitch to the licensing companies, the licensing companies or the licensed companies, i.e. like Marvel, Disney, sure. even like things that throw back. Like I worked on Jim Henson stuff, so like Dark oh, Crystal, cool. Labyrinth. Because yeah. can't your company can't just like make a... No. Disney princess costume without getting permission and then they have to pay for that permission. <laughs> you got to pay millions. Yeah. A of dollars. lot of money. Yeah. Way more than seven figures. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Oh God, I'm sorry. I went on a tangent. No, again. no, no. It's uh, all right. I just wanted people to understand in general, like what licensing actually means. It's basically like you are the Halloween costume company. You go to Disney, you say, we want to make the costume for Cinderella Okay, yep. you got to negotiate the rights to use that, then, like, put the Disney logo on the packaging and, like, brand it as Cinderella instead of not just, like, a princess. And this is where I come in with that whole, like, uh, equation. Because you can't just slap a Cinderella sketch, TM, and the Disney logo. You yeah. have to go through approvals. Like, you need to use what they call um, a brand guide or a style guide. yeah. And you need to use the specific components and assets that they give you because Disney has no problem telling you, hell no, that won't pass. Like, like I imagine certain styling, certain Pantone, like do they give you even Pantone colors? Like it has to be this blue or something? Like, I don't think I ever had anything that specific. Okay. But it's pretty clear. Mm, okay. Well, I did work on Jack Sparrow and they were very specific about the types of fabrics and the prints they wanted on those fabrics. Uh, so you couldn't really like 
you could get creative, but you couldn't go too far up too far off the cuff. You have a pretty tight box to work in. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes that works, right? Because you know exactly yeah. what you're working towards. You have totally. a goal. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes I'm a big fan of the small box theory where like the less the more constraint you have can actually be better. Like you can get more creative. So right. anyway. And some companies are like really free flow. Yeah. You know, Disney is very like Disney's very specific. I the bet. mouse knows exactly what he wants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right, cool. So you did so all sorts of cool licensing. You're working there into the pandemic. You're working remote. Then what? Where do we get to freelancing? Yeah, um, I'd actually been so I'd actually been planning it for I would say like three years, right? Planning so, to freelance? Mm-hmm, oh, completely, fully, without any sort of like day job. Okay. So. <laughs> Literally anybody out there who's struggling, it took me three years, right? That's over almost a thousand days. Actually, it's over a thousand days. Sure is. So this does not happen overnight. (laughs) Sometimes it happens when you get a great client and it's like, it's a magical thing. But for me, it took me three years. What were you, Um, like when you say planning for three years, like what were you actually doing during those three years while you were working? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, It actually started with, you're going to love this. It actually started with just trying to be better at Illustrator. Uh, so who did I find on YouTube? But you, I think Heidi. you might've found me. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I just kind of keep, kept doing research. And then you started talking about freelancing and how it was a possibility. And then there was more research with that. And then I was like, okay, well, this could be possible because I've never really been a corporate person. Yeah. I've never really like fit into the like corporate ladder. I'm a pretty wild person. I like to <laughs> I'm a little bit chaotic yeah. with that. Yeah. Not in a bad way, you know? Yeah. Chaos is okay. Sometimes. Totally. Um, and so I, we just started having conversations, my husband and I, and uh, we, it's just talking and planning. And it's like, well, okay, if we need to save for this, what does that look like? Because he was also in the process of changing his career because he was in retail um, and customer service. And then he wanted to flip into another career. So we had to like, flip him first. Yeah. One, one person at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we built that revenue to support me or finances, revenue, whatever we built that to support me. And then, um, in the pandemic, it actually worked out great. Cause I was like, cool. I know how to work remote. This is awesome. I love this. I don't ever want to go back to the office again, unless it's like maybe like a day rate or something Yeah, like fit sessions. But I like being home. Home is really like, home is really great. So, um, it's pretty straightforward, you know, we just saved up and there was kind of a moment at my old position where it just wasn't working for me anymore. Uh, and I just took the jump. (laughs) Yeah. When was that exactly? It was August 28th, 2020. You know the exact date. Okay. I said exactly. I wasn't quite expecting a date, like a day, day, like 4, 17 PM. I turned in my resignation. Um, I, was I gave him three weeks, okay? So today's August 3rd, 2022. You're almost at your two-year anniversary. That's exciting. You're like three yeah. weeks away. Yeah. Congrats. Early congrats. Thank you. Thank um, you very much. So the three years of planning was upping your skills, figuring out like personal logistics as far as like finances, et cetera. It, yeah. it wasn't like three years of trying to find your first client and actually kickstart. Okay. 
No. More just like prepping the logistical side of things for you to, let's, maybe I'm going to put words in your mouth, but it was almost like so that you could confidently go into it. Yeah. I think I wanted to like have a wall of like preparedness, if you will. I I didn't want to just be completely disorganized. And I think too, like, I think this has to be talked about sometimes. Like I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I have some sort of undiagnosed neurodivergence, like attention disorder, ADHD. Yeah. And if there's anybody out there too, who struggles with this, like you're not alone, we're all creatives. And sometimes we all struggle with executive dysfunction and getting things going. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I uh, signed up for fast, I think in 2019 and I just finished it in March. So like about two years to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a slow process, you know, like, yeah. and so sometimes it takes, again, this doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time Yeah. to get to where you need to be. Yeah. What, <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful. No, no, no. I think it's totally helpful. And I think it's cool that like you're talking about this because the process is not this like, well, first of all, the process is different for everybody. Yeah. Um. And it's not this, like, step one, step two, like, linear thing that just, like, makes perfect sense. Um, What prompted you to sign up for FAST before you, like, actually had quit your job and, like, were going to dive in? Um, Sounds like that was maybe, like, six or eight months or maybe even longer in advance. I think it was, so maybe for you, uh, it was your first opening of fast. So you had already had your like first like hub of like oh, first round students. I did like I a group like, of like 30 babies. I was like the first release. Oh, was, you were the first like public launch. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I realized that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're like one of the veterans. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but what prompted it is, there's not a lot of resources out there for specific fashion freelancers, which I feel like that's a literal like play repeat on a lot of podcast episodes that you have. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to build the confidence and I wanted to know like what the F I was doing. Right. Yeah. And, um, it just made sense to sign up for it because I knew that it would be a resource that I would be able to use over and over and over. And it really is. It took, did it take me way longer than I thought it was going to take me? Absolutely. But Sometimes you got to grow a little bit <laughs> before For you sure. can, I don't know, finish something. But you're like doing it in tan. So I won't spill the beans because I know that you've got some really big paying projects. Just because you just finished it doesn't mean you haven't been freelancing this whole time either. Right. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Like you quit August 28th, 2020. Yeah. You quit your full-time job. Did you have any clients at that point? No. Okay. So what was your plan nope. and what did that like first few months look yeah. like? So this, this is coming for a little bit from a place of privilege. I saved up a huge lump sum of money. We had like figured out what our monthly expenses were going to be. And I just took the time. Okay. I had been grinding and hustling for, cause I've always been like a side hustler too. So I was like making costumes on the side. I was like, doing art. I was doing oh all this stuff. Yeah. So from like 2000 and, and, you know, we all hustle, right. We're all in the apparel industry. We're all like kicking a ton of ass and it's hard work. Yeah. Um, 
but I'd say like since 2014, so for six solid years, you know, there was no break time. And like, I was at a breaking point when I quit, right? Like I was probably the most stressed I'd been. I was not in a good spot mentally. There was a pandemic going on, you know? Yeah. A lot of stuff happened. You were like burnout stage almost, if not totally. Okay. I don't know if there's a way to go past burnout stage, but that's where I was. Oh gosh. Okay. Literally at the very, very edge of the like, I don't even know if there's a limit, but it was not a good spot. Okay. So I slept. I slept for six months. Good for you. (laughs) six months. I slept from wherever, whatever, like September through the holidays. I just took the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I restarted fresh and I finished all, I finished everything up. I organized all of my like assets that I have. Um, and then I just started doing fast and at the same time, like, um, running pitches. I even like signed up on Upwork too. That's worked out a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like it comes from, I was saving and like planning for a very long time and like every, every dime that we had that was extra went into savings so yeah. like could support me through. yeah um I want to be very clear I appreciate you saying it's a place of privilege <laughs> and I agree there is some privilege to it but there's also a lot of planning to it yeah um like it you were like very conscious that like this was gonna be coming and I imagine you were like conscious with your spending and like yeah. okay this money is going aside like cut frivolous spending. Um, and I agree that is definitely also a place of privilege. Not everybody even has the opportunity to have frivolous spending in the first place. Right. So, um, for sure privilege, but also planning. I just want to be really clear about that. Um, privilege plus planning. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like you just got like a trust fund dumped in you and you're like, cool, I got 30,000 in, in savings in the bank, poof on a whim, um, or however much money I'm not here to say the number, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Okay, so you said something I want to, I'm curious about. You said I spent some time getting all my assets together and organized. Yeah. Talk, what, what do you mean by assets? Sure. So um, I think a lot of us, I mean, at least from my perspective, in my opinion, will start projects maybe like in our full-time jobs and we won't really have time to like organize stuff. So I basically took, oh God. Every brush library, every oh okay, like every flat component, every pattern, and I went through probably like eight gigs of files, and I went through and I deleted the stuff I didn't need, and I kept the things that I did need, so it would be easy access to like reach out and and it actually helps. It took me like probably a month, month and a half to do it because I had so many components. Uh huh. But now when I open a file up and I start working, I'm like, okay, cool. So efficient. Master construction seam line brushes. Boom. Right? Yeah. Master elastic. Boom. Like, and it all just comes out and it's fast. Okay. So you're really talking like just digital assets for your own work productivity. What do you mean by work productivity? Like to make your, your, the productivity when you actually, when you do work to make your productivity like more efficient. Oh, for sure. Like, um, I guess in that respect, like I did brush up on like some master classes and yeah. some like Adobe Illustrator, like shortcuts and everything. Okay. But. but when you said assets, my head went to, you were like building out a website and building out, like making business cards and like oh. getting your marketing stuff together. 
Yeah, a little bit of that. I okay. have um I have a really concise, simple portfolio yeah. because of all of the all of the chat that I've been listening to and yeah. like, literally from all the other students and what they're showing and you know, there's the whole portfolio like Q&A or um interviews that you've done. Yeah, and the fast. critiques, all the critiques. Yeah, the critiques. Yeah. yeah. So I looked at those and I was like, okay, cool. So I made a couple I did make a couple of passion projects. I did like two real yeah. quick and okay. then I consolidated literally my best projects and I put them up in this beautiful situation and that's what I send. It's a Dropbox link. Yeah. When someone asks to see my portfolio, it's just I'm a like, PDF. Here you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so talk to us then too about the two niches. So it's, it's interesting that you said activewear, but then it sounded like all of your experience was in like costumes and licensing. So, um, how did you decide to do that? And like, just tell us a little bit more about your two niches. Yeah. So with activewear, um, I actually went back to it because that's, um, that is where I started at the prototyping job. So I was with like performance knit. Oh, when you were at the factory. Yes. It was was all golf. It was activewear. I did like a really cool pair of like maternity, like the first pair of like belly band maternity leggings. Oh, really, really sweet. Yeah. This is also the company that like used to, they made the first prototype for SheFit. So that's pretty cool. cool. That is super cool. Yeah. And so I had a lot of like passion for that. And then I went to this, Halloween costume company. And I should specify the main reason why I went into it is one, because I'm a nerd and two, because it was the only apparel design position that was available in my area in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. Okay. Like target targets here, but I'm not, not that wasn't going to work for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's how, that's why activewear is there. And I'm also, you know, like fitness and just, the industry of activewear is really passion. I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't like let it go. I okay. couldn't, I couldn't not work with that. Do you have like two separate portfolios for each of those? I do. Okay. Yeah. For, so you have your active yeah. portfolio and then you've got your licensing portfolio. Um, yeah, but they're about two and a half, two to two and a half ish projects a piece. So they didn't take too long to they're make. They're not too long. I, know. I already had the bulk of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So talk to us about the first couple clients. Um, you started in January, 2021, getting your assets together, uh, both for like workflow as well as your marketing assets, your portfolios, but again, didn't take too long. That doesn't take three months to do that. Um, and then you start pitching then what? And, and upwork a little bit. You start landing some clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I started pitching aggressively because <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference between pitching and then pitching aggressively. Yeah, right? what does pitching like, aggressively mean? Um, like you need a project rather than like, okay, I'll get a project. Okay, right? Like, yeah. When you're like, I gotta hit three to five brands like a week. Like we gotta go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Or more. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I probably started in 2021 summer because there was just a couple of like things that were happening in the beginning of the year. So I started pitching on Upwork and then um, got one client and that was cool. It was like a tech pack job. And then I think 
what is I'm so sorry. Uh, like, where are we in life? I know. It's still a blur. It's August of 2022. Yeah. I you just looked at your watch to check the date. I, I was like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, what year are we in? Where are, I'm like, I feel like COVID blur is still, it's like for the rest of our lives. Thing. It is a real it's thing. It's a real thing. So I think the aggressive pitching started around December, no, November, December. Oh, because all the way to the end of the year. Yeah. So that's yeah. only less than a year. That's like eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of blank time, but like, again, it's okay. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. how we grow. Yeah. Um, so I started pitching aggressively, I would say in November and December and for everybody out there who pitches and everybody else who listens to like that number count. Cause they're like, Oh, well, I did 10. I pitched 110 pitches before I got a response. A response at all? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think maybe five responses. Okay. Okay. But like that you got your first client? And then I got three clients. Like, boom. Okay. Boom. Yeah. So listen, everybody out there, it is a numbers game at the end of the day. And you're yeah. not going to send out two pi- – I mean, listen, I know people that have sent out five and gotten one or two clients. It happens. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just got to pump them out. But right. you get into the routine. It's a muscle you build. Okay, so then you got boom three clients. That's exciting. Yeah. Were they licensing yeah, or awesome. active? Um, Do you remember? They That's were all three of them were active. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what types of brands were they like startup independent or were they like startup. more startup? Okay. Startup. And what yeah, kind of stuff were say. you doing for them? Um, I'm still working on one, so I can't really talk about it. Uh, but I guess I mean, but, like, are you doing design? Are you doing tech packs? Are you doing product development, oh, sure. sourcing, like? The actual just process, sure. so yeah. It's design and tech packs, and then there is also possible possibility of sourcing and factory correspondence. So, so product that's development. product okay. development. Then, yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. That's exciting. Uh, and then, going. yeah. With the with pitches, you know, like I think it's uh really important to remember that, like, as you go along, sometimes you have to edit yourself. Like what? Like when you're writing your pitches out and maybe they're not working or if you're not hearing back, mm-hmm. then you have to go back in and re-edit yourself. You can't just keep doing the same thing. I don't think so. No, like I don't think so either. What's working and, and yeah. what's not working. <laughs> there, I mean, you know, there's a whole module inside of FAST that's like troubleshooting. If you're not hearing back... Like these are the things you want to go back and evaluate. So it sounds like did you have to, did you go through that editing process? Like what where did you what you figure out? Yeah, I think it was um, just taking away like all of your experience, you know, mm. that you did. Um, so it's like where you're listing out like these are all the things I can do instead again like remembering to talk about the brand and like focus on what they need rather than who you are. Mm-hmm. You can talk about yourself for like three sentences, but like they want to read it, they want to know who you are. And they want to hire you. Yeah. And they want to hear, like, it needs to be, like, 80 or 90% about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have seen that. It's absolutely true. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So it sounds like you almost fell back into, like, the old muscle of, like, I can do this and I have this experience and da-da-da, which is totally fair because that's, like, all we're ever taught. That's all anybody ever knows. That's all they taught me in school. Yeah, right? And, like, like, just shove everything down their throat. I can do this. Blah, 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 blah. I, I, I. And, um... So it can be very easy to just like, you're typing out this thing. Like if you've written a bunch of cover letters or something to just kind of like, that's a muscle that has been strengthened. And you also like, 
set that muscle aside and strengthen a different one. Um, and sometimes that requires a little bit of editing or like self-evaluation and being like, okay, I'm not hearing back. Let me look at this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was like, so you were pitching in like the end of 2021 aggressively sent out a bunch, got mm-hmm. those three clients. That's exciting. Um, yeah. and now we're in like late summer of 2022. Where are you yeah. at? Um, yeah, so I just pitched to another company. It was actually on Upwork. Okay. And that was probably about maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. That's another thing too. When you pitch, they like take their sweet time getting back to you. So just because they don't write you back right away, don't write them off. Because yeah. I think I had someone write me back like a month after I I believe I, uh, it. Sent a proposal. I believe so, it. This was one of those instances where I think I wrote like again, uh, three, two, three weeks ago, um, I sent this proposal randomly and then they came back and they were like, Hey, we'd love to meet with you. Like, uh, Oh, I also always end every single one of my proposals on Upwork with a CTA for a discovery call schedule call because no one wants to write back and forth. You got to lock it in. Just get them on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Get them on the phone because then they'll fall in love with you when they see your face. Yeah. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but like, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like cosmetics and aesthetics aside, there's just a lot of truth to like getting to talk to someone face-to-face, voice-to-voice. There's a lot of value to that. Yeah, you can really catch the vibe, you know? People are like, okay, I definitely like this person. Yeah. I know it's going to be easy working with them. They're a genuine person. Yeah. So, um, So I got them on the phone. And I talked to them and they were like, sweet, write up a proposal. And so I did. I wrote up the largest proposal I've ever written. Um, it's, I don't want to jinx it because I'm still doing a trial project with them. But if you want me to say how much it is, I can. I do want you to say. <laughs> do you think I'm going to let you out of this? Because oh. you told me. So hold on. I just have to like set the stage here. Stacy emails me and says something like, Oh my God, I j- or maybe it was an Instagram. I can't even remember where we were chatting, but you were like, I just, I <laughs> do you remember? I do. Yeah. There was a, we were talking about wages. Um, we were talking about wages in the office versus the wages outside of the office, like as a freelancer okay. on an Instagram. Message. On Instagram. Okay. It wasn't yeah. Instagram. Okay. And I was talking about money as I like to do. <laughs> and Stacey's message to me is like, Holy cow, I just sent out the biggest proposal of my career. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Congrats. Then we're in a live QA session inside of Fast. And you, like, somehow it comes up and you put in the chat. I just let it go. I was you're like, like Here it is. cats out of the bag. I got the proposal. And I was like, what the fudge? And then I put you on the spot and I was like, how much was it? And you put it and the chat explodes with like everybody, all the fat, your fellow fast students were like, cheers, congrats. Like all these party emojis. It was a really fun moment. Um, it was awesome. I so, was like, oh my God, this is a lot. Thank y'all so much. I'm putting Seriously. you on the spot to drop the number. I mean. All right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's um, just under $10,000. I mean, can we call it 10000 <laughs> We could call, well, I mean, yeah, we could call it $10,000. Five-figure project. <laughs> Fucking God. Girl, 
I am so off of Upwork too. Yes, we need to like share this little part of the video because Stacy's doing a really cool dance. What did you just say? I said, are you ready for the bonus? There's a bonus. <gasps> what? There's more? Yeah. I but pulled wait. Of, I pulled them off of Upwork. So it's all yes. my money. Because Upwork, Upwork takes 20%. Uh, up to a certain point. So oh, they okay. don't take it forever. So if you do like over a certain number of hours, they'll drop it. And it drops all the way down to 5%, I think. Okay. But that's like I massive. Didn't... Okay. Okay. It's still so a lot. Like Boom. Okay. I love this so much. Um, and dear listener, I think it's great to kickstart on Upwork, but that, then get on that discovery call and pull it off. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, if the client is feeling sketchy. Keep it. It might be worth it to keep Upwork because Upwork will get you paid. But or, if like, vibing, yeah, start small and see how it goes on Upwork. Yeah. Totally fair. If you absolutely don't want to do Upwork, make sure you break your payments up and then maybe only have like 20 to 30% at the end of the project due. So like everything else is already paid for. Yeah. Yeah. So then if they do go shoot, you're only losing 20%. Totally. That's yeah. just my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all sorts of strategies for like pricing and to make sure you get paid. And of course, you know, we cover all those in fast, but, um, okay. So I mean, God, cheers again, 10,000. <laughs> Cheers. This is a LaCroix. It's not a beer. I know it might look like a beer. Um, yes. We're having a little dance party over here on our <laughs> video. Um, we might just have to like turn this into an animated GIF or GIF, whatever it's called, and put that in with the podcast show notes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a note of the time right now. 35 I'm a minutes. I'm a, I'm a GIF. You're a GIF? Okay. <laughs> I just made a note of the timestamp. Um, where I'm going to do this dance party one. Yeah, no, you totally should. Yeah, it might even, that's going to have to like go on Instagram as like a reel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so like let's talk strategy on this project. Like what did, what did you, I mean to give the listeners some, some value as to like how do I get on Upwork and pull a $10,000 project off of it? Um, what were some of the things that you were, I mean, obviously you find a client and it feels like a good match. We can't fabricate that. No, it's not possible. But is this active or licensing or what is this? It's active. It's, it's active. a startup active brand okay. in Denver. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> if you have to come out and visit, let me know. And you can come up and we can have coffee at my friend's coffee shop or something. I'll pull you a nice shot. I can't wait. Um, but seriously, wait, and you're no longer in Minnesota. Where are you living? No, I am in Minneapolis. Yep. You're in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. I asked earlier, I said, are you still there? And you said, no. I think you maybe thought I was asking if you were still at your job. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Okay. So you're still in Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So like, strategy, right? yeah, strategy. I mean, you have to find the project that matches you, but from there, what'd you do? So when I'm on Upwork, this is the first part of it. When I'm on Upwork, and I'm looking for new clients or I'm looking for jobs, I'll always, uh, sorry, not always, I'll only apply to jobs that are in my niche because, like, I've always had this phrase in my head, there's riches in the niches. It's mm-hmm. really important to, mm-hmm. like, be niche. So I found this activewear job posting, um, and I, this is probably after, like, 200 pitches. So my pitch is getting real good. <laughs> real bad. Then. Yeah. yeah, it's all, it's really died real dialed in yeah um pitched it and then just 
like, you know, when you find a really good posting on Upwork, they're talking about their dreams. They're talking about what they want. And so you have to like braid that into what you're saying to them, right? You want to help them create this like amazing startup brand and you want to list all the features that they write because what you say is like really true. What they're looking for is already in their posting. You just have to, I don't know, help them get it. So really understanding what they're going for and what they're hoping for. Um, and then just kind of writing straight to them, not to like an HR person, you're writing straight to the person who wrote that posting and understand that they have a lot of things that they're probably doing. Like if it's a startup brand, especially like they probably have two other jobs, minimum one to two other jobs. They don't have time and just being patient. Yeah. Hold now. If you can send up follow-ups send follow-ups because I think I got the, I got the call back or whatever they do. They like email you or they message you. And he was like, cool. We love it. We, we love your portfolio. We love your vibe. It's great. We'd love to chat. But then it was like another week or two before I actually like locked in a discovery call. So people aren't just going to like give you the farm, you know, like you have to like prove that you are interested in it, that you want to go for it. So mm -hmm. you've got to do follow-ups. That's your job mm -hmm. as a freelancer, mm -hmm. right? You need to be dependable and you need to be active and show them that you're interested in it. Otherwise, like they're not going to, they don't have time to message you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, I, I like that you like are really emphasizing this because I, um, <laughs> no, it's true. Cause somehow a lot of people do think that like, listen, you can land projects quickly. It happens. Yeah. Um, but also like sometimes brands need a minute right? They're busy and, and you have to like keep showing up in a way that feels good to them. Like showing up in a way that like you're there to support their dreams, not like, Hey, I can do all these things. I can do all these things. I can do all these things sort of way. Right. Um, like you said, I love that you were like, they have a dream and they have a lot of the posts. Some postings are like vague and generic. And those ones I'm kind of yeah. like, man, eh, those are probably, are they really that serious? Like, is it really going to turn into thing? It could, but like, there's substantial postings and you can feel, right? You can feel yeah. their passion in what they yeah. put in the posting. You have to like reiterate that back to them in your pitch. Right. Um, and then it can take a minute for, to get a reply and they're not just going to boom on the first call, give you that $10,000 project. Like I think you have to think about it a lot from the client's perspective is that it can feel scary hiring the freelancer, who is this person? Are they actually going to do what they say? Are they act like the freelancer gets scared of like, am I going to get paid? But think about the client's perspective. Right. They're like, am I going to get this? Does this person know what the heck they're talking about? Da, 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 all the things. So you have to make them really comfortable. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes too, when you're pitching and like when you're a freelancer, you, you kind of put somebody up on a pedestal and you have to remember they're just, they're just human. Yeah. They're, they're just a person with yeah. a dream and you're, here to help them. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. not scary. You're just think about it as helping somebody. Yeah. Right. Like you would help somebody walk across the street or help. I don't know. Someone open a door or like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Provide yeah. care. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. People, these people need help and you're the person who's going to help them. And at the end of the day, you're both people. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
has that mindset like made it feel easier to like pitch? Cause I know some, like, it sounds like either you were in a place or maybe you've just heard me talk about it. Like pitching can feel scary. Like you put this brand or this design director, whoever up on a pedestal, you're like, Oh God, I got to reach out. But like you're saying at the end, of yeah. they're just a person. You're there to help them. Like it's a person to yeah. person. So this is a mindset you kind of like a muscle a long, that you strengthened. Yeah. It took a long time because I used to be, if you go back to like high school years, like I was terrified to speak in public. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of really terrifying experiences with public speaking that make me oh, no. back then never want to like speak ever again. But yeah. You gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. Um, and so I just kept trying and trying and working on my public speaking. Like I like, I like performing. I like being on stage as well, another part of me, like from my high school years. And so I kind of just was like, okay, well, what, if I like performing, why am I afraid to speak to people? Mm. Right? What'd you, what'd you figure yeah. out with that question? I think, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like perform. You just, instead of being a character, you're who you are. Yeah. Um, In a way it should be easier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's terrifying hitting that call button and talking to a creative director. Like when I did my customer research, I talked to a, the ex creative director of Nike and that was the most terrifying phone call I've ever had in my life. And you weren't even <laughs> like, like pitching for work. Like, you were just calling to no, chat. Trying to get, yeah. And then she picked up the phone and I literally heard a goat on the other end. A goat? Farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why am I so stressed about this? She's a person on a farm. Like, what are we doing? Um, it, you can, you can get the, the mindset is very understandable, but it is still hard to like embody that. Right. Like you're still going to feel nervous. So this call, were you nervous when you pitched this project on Upwork? I mean, obviously your pitching is really strong, you obviously did a really great job. Like you said, braiding their dream back into the pitch, like showing them that you really cared about this big thing that they're so pumped about building. Um, takes a couple weeks. You get the call. Yeah. How'd you feel going into that call? And did you know that the potential for the project was so big? No, I had no idea that it was a massive project. It's okay. like a year-long project, a maybe nine-month project with, like, other factors involved. But okay. So had they, had no like, idea. in the pitch, it was it ju- or the proposal, was it just, like, showing, like, an hourly rate? Or, like, how were you – how did you get yeah. – okay. It was, like, an hourly rate, and then it had, like, one to three months or something involved. And then, like, I got on that discovery call. And, like, I think I'm always a little nervous before a discovery mm-hmm. I think that's normal. Discovery yeah, call. Totally. I think everybody is a little bit. Yeah. But the more you do, the better you get. Yeah. Literally. Um, and so I had like first acquaintance and like introduction um, nerves. And then it kind of all like rolled off because, you know, I was like, I am an expert. I might have things that I'm not confident in, but I'm an expert and I can help these people. Um And then I started asking them about their brand. I started asking them about like what they're trying to accomplish. And they started talking about how many styles they wanted. They started talking about like where they wanted to take it and like what the ultimate goal was. And then I started asking, okay, well, what's your three month plan? What's your one year plan? When do you want to launch this thing? 
and then the whole scope of the project was became clearer and clearer after mm. that. And then you're like, this is not a one to three month project. Mm-mm. I was like, no. Mm-mm. So did you kind of outline then for them, like what this, what the caliber of this would really look like? Yeah, definitely. And they were like, okay, cool. Well, and you know, they were very transparent too. They were like, we have a couple people we need to talk to still. Like you're one of the people that we're looking into. Why don't you write, write us a proposal? And so I spent, a long time writing that proposal out, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to make sure everything was clear, written, italicized in parentheses because they're so new to this. They don't even know what a tech pack is. Right. So like explaining the value and like the importance of having that was mm. like so primo important. Yeah. There's a whole educational component that goes along with working with startups. Yeah. But it goes back to that whole thing that I am you know, I really love to do and that's, um, helping people. And so again, if I'm an expert in this and you don't know anything, I absolutely want to tell you what it is to help you be more successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, okay. So you have the discovery call, then they're like, okay, put your proposal together. We're talking to some other people. And then how long did, so then you sent the proposal over, I imagine within like a couple days or whatever. And I think I sent it the next day. You sent the next day. Like I, I stayed, I spent some time on it cause it was worth it to me. Cause as I did the math, I was like, holy, this could, <laughs> holy, this could be big. <laughs> and then I'm like, damn, this is a big ass pro. Sorry. No, you're <laughs> fine. You project. can test totally. Okay. And but you I were like, I want to be fast. Yeah. I want to be fast. Cause I want to put it in front of them and be like, I know my shit here's the proposal in like a beautiful format, all organized. And then I even yeah. did like a projected invoice to show them the breakdown of all the costs. Oh, because like the proposal yeah. can be lengthy. You have like a big chunky number at the end for startups. Yeah. They have no idea where those costs come in. So yeah. I like itemized everything in like an estimate or a proposed invoice. Yeah. That's amazing. And that helps. Right. And then they compare. Yeah, totally. And then when did you hear back? Three days, maybe oh, two. pretty fast. Like, Damn. Yep. And they said what? They were like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like there, there was like a definite energy of like, let's do it. But then there was like a budget issue and there was a couple other things. So then I was like, I don't want to lose them. I already have them. Yeah. We can do this. And so I just pulled back and I was like, hey, this is a giant investment and I want to be really respectful of the time, right? Because I go back to like me thinking about how long it took me to be a freelancer. And I think about how much I had to save. So I like pull in some of my emotions and do it too. I'm like, I know how much it costs and how much time it takes to save up for something like this. So I want to make sure that I'm the perfect fit for you. So let's do a trial of this section of this giant proposal, which is about 20 hours. And if it works for you, let's continue the rest of the way. They're like, we love that because we don't, we're nervous, right? Like we talked earlier, they're nervous. Like it's scary for them. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. And I think especially for like a startup who doesn't know a lot about this space, like they, they don't really know what they're doing, what they're looking for. Like they can get a gut feeling, but they don't know a lot of the nuances versus like, you know, working with a more established brand or at least someone who's been around the block a couple times, like they kind of know how to vet this. Um, yeah. So yeah, from the freelancer's perspective, you do have to respect that like it could feel very risky for the brand. 
I mean, you could even think about it. Like for me, when I pitched or not pitched, when I uh, reached out to a brand designer and they told me this huge price, like price point, you know, like if someone quotes you for your car or if something quotes you for like a giant, like maybe even like a, like I'm saying like a brand kit and it's thousands of dollars and you're like, oh my God, are they going to, it's the same feeling from a freelance, from a brand's perspective to a freelancer. Yeah. I again, had, we're on the same level. Yeah. We're just people. Yeah. We're the same feelings. Totally. <laughs> we, this is a really random story, but um, we bought a house in the mountains last year. And when yeah. we moved in, it's all wood site, like cedar yeah. wood siding um, and two decks and stuff. And it had been a little neglected um, and it needed to be sand, like power washed and stained. Yeah. And it's like a two-story house, and the ceilings are really high. Like, it's not a DIY pro- I mean, I guess it could be a DIY project. It was not a DIY yeah. project. So I was like, we got to get some quotes. I get this guy out here. He's like, it's going to be $10,000. I was like, it's going to be what? <laughs> <laughs> I would have fallen over. <laughs> yeah, I practically did fall over. And I, w- and I wound up getting, like, two other quotes, and they were all in the same area. And I asked the guy, the guy that I really liked the most that we did wind up hiring to do it, but I asked him, I was like, that's so much, like, explain to me why. And he educated me, and he explained to me why. And then when I saw that it was, like, he and another guy literally here, like, from, like, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. for, like, two, I mean, it was insane how much work when I saw what they actually did. I was like... Okay, I get it a little bit, right? But that initial sticker shock can feel yeah. very, bleh, right? So yeah, the educational component, and then and then what you said, there's like kind of you know breaking it down for them and talking to them and stuff and explaining it um, is so important. I don't know if that yeah. story made any sense, but no, it did because it actually made me want to like piggyback off of it because that happened when I submitted the proposal. When someone sees five figures or high fours, whatever, even even thousands of dollars, or yeah, thousand eight hundred, yeah, it's a lot. You know, their immediate reaction is like, "Oh my god, it's just it's just a one garment." Why, you know? And so it's not because they're trying to like schmooze you or be cheap. Mm-hmm. They just don't understand the industry because they're so new to it. Mm-hmm. So again, you as the expert or me as the expert, whatever you need to educate them mm-hmm. because that happened with the proposal. Like they would, they sent back a couple of emails. They're like, well, why is this so high? Like we weren't expecting this. This was our budget. Um, and then taking the time to basically break everything down. Mm-hmm. So it's very easily viewable for them mm-hmm. to be like, this takes this much time. This takes this much time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, something I always tried to do with like really big proposals was like, for, if it was a new client for the first time, a big proposal, right. Yeah. Was like before hitting send on that proposal and they just, you know, they always just scroll right to the bottom. Yeah. They always <laughs> is being like, I'd love to get you on the phone and present this to you and getting yeah. them on the phone. And like, before you get to that number talking through okay, it's going to start with this and then we're going to do this and this is going to take this much time and then this is what this process looks like. And getting like just scheduling like a 30-minute call and then being like, okay, and so, you know, the cost to do this is going to be 10000 whatever. But right. they're getting that after they just heard everything versus, you know, so just obviously you got the job, you did a great job, 
But, like, that was something that I learned that it was, like, everybody just sees the price and they're, like, oh, fine. Right. Everyone does just see the price. Yeah. So if you could get on the I, phone to present it, that's always really awesome. Not possible yeah. every time, but. I think I did put that quip in the email because I think it's it's in your template that I used. I used, like, your proposal template and tweaked it a little bit. Oh, awesome. And I, like. Put it, I put all that information in the email and then I attached it. I didn't send them like a text of the proposal. Right. I had it as like a PDF. So they, so could they have, can see they, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. They had to read my email first before clicking on the files. Yeah. Hopefully they read the email. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just know how I operate. I'm always like, what's the number? Where's the number? I got to find the number. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, this is amazing. I am so excited for you. You should be really proud of yourself. Are you feeling like, how are you feeling? I feel like it's taken me a really long time, you know, to get to this point. And I'm just really grateful, you know, like gratitude is the attitude. Like, ah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's really cool to remember like where I was to where I am now. Right. Because success is relative and I feel very successful. This, my goals are being hit. So, yeah. How's it, how <laughs> does it feel to hit your goals? Oh, man. Like, I don't know. It's I don't really have words for it. Yeah. It's just, I, like one of my favorite phrases, like, is you are enough. Yeah. And knowing that you are enough anywhere in your journey. Yeah. So, like. You know, I felt enough two years ago, but now, <laughs> I don't know, it's like exploding out of me. I'm just so grateful. I got to read the. I'm going to pull up that email you sent me. <laughs> so I, well, this, I think this episode's, so we're recording this August 3rd. I think it's going to air, I'd have to look at the calendar, but I think it's going to air, um, oh gosh, I could tell you in a second. But my internet said something about September. I think I did say something about September. So anyway, no, 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 it's not gonna be like September. That's a total lie. (laughs) My internet is never mind. I read wrong. I read wrong. So slow because I'm like trying to do two things at once. Um, So I just want to share this real quickly for people listening because I I did send an email. The whole reason I was talking about the timeline was because I sent an email out to the whole email list with your quote. but that will have been in August, and no, this is going to air in December. Um, Sweet. <laughs> uh, so I sent an email out initially talking about how do people change? Why do people change, right? Why do people go from uh, – uh, one of my students sent me a message that she had gotten her first $2,000 project, and she went from feeling very inadequate to over-the-moon confident. Yeah. Um. And I was like, why do people, how do people change? Like, how does someone just go from that to that? Like, how does someone go from like a feeling of, you know, not good and, and that can bleed into everything that you do and and can prevent you, I think, from getting a lot of work to, um, getting, you know, this, this big project. And so you were kind of saying some things there that reminded me of the email that you sent. (laughs) So I had to force you into this answer too, by the way, you were the only person that replied. (laughs) I was like. Get a strike of this whole conversation with the email list, and it it fell so flat. Um, I think it got okay. a little bit nerdy, but but I basically the question is why do people change? Uh, was it why or like how do people change? And you said 
I think it's so simple that a lot of people can't wrap their head around it. Um, people get so sucked into this, I have to change the entire world to be this incredible designer, when in reality, you literally need to get the F out of your own head, own, own way. Trust yourself and show up for yourself. The success follows. People who figure out they're enough the way they are right now, they change and grow. Own your struggle and what you're not confident in, but know that it's still enough to be a kick-ass designer, person, partner, whatever. It can literally take one sentence to make it click, but it's a muscle. We gotta shift the mindset and be more kind to ourselves. That self-talk and discipline is otherworldly powerful. <laughs> I loved your response so much. I don't think I've ever read something out loud on the podcast like that. I'm like, hold on, <laughs> let me read this email to you on the podcast. <laughs> but I think what you said was so powerful. And like you just said, your one of your favorite quotes is you are enough or sayings, what mantras, what you want to call it. Yeah. Um it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you know, like this kind of, like it applies to a lot of things, but for me, it really applies to my career. It applies to like freelancing, you yeah. know, I think especially like, for, for women or femme presenting people in the world, in our industry, it's really difficult for us because I think a majority of us struggle with imposter syndrome really badly. We don't think that we are an expert enough. And like, I don't know, I think I was like on a treadmill, right? I was having a rough day and I was like running my like anger out or whatever. And I was like, F this. No, I am enough. Like I'm plenty. I have seven years. You could have one year, right? Yeah. yeah. You know so much more than the people who need your help yeah. as a freelancer and as a designer and don't let a design manager or a senior designer the title. or a buyer yeah. Or like, don't let anybody tell you that you're not a good designer. And if they aren't telling you, if they, if they tell you you're not a designer, if you've drawn something and you've designed something, you're a designer. Yeah. You don't need to like have 10 years of experience and know every grade rule and know all this stuff. If you design clothes and if you have touched a tech pack, you're a designer, right? Like it's, you're enough. Right. And yeah. so like you'll get better. You have things you aren't confident in right now with your one years of experience, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. But as you go, like right now, you're a good designer. You're a successful designer, right? Yeah. So just keep going, yeah. own your struggle and get better at what you're not confident in. It's cool it. because <laughs> like you, and I'm glad we kind of are getting to this part of the conversation or the conversation led to this because <laughs> You referred to yourself as an expert a couple times in this interview. And I like loved that you did that. But I also, I am very cautious to use that word. Um, not about myself, but, but when I talk about like, if you say like, people get very intimidated by that word. Like, but I'm not an expert. Or like, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're like, I, you need to be an expert to freelance, which I think yep. expert is like such a subjective word, right? Um, or okay. relative, like you said, success is relative. Well, expert is relative. Like you said, oh, yeah. these brand, like, especially if you're working with startups, like you don't need to know everything in the world about design and grade rules and all the things to be air quote, an expert. You right. really just need to be like one step ahead of the person that you're leading and then yeah. know how to figure out the answer to the things that you don't know. Yeah. Nobody ever knows it all. 
Um, no, but impossible. I'm so cautious of that word because I think people get really intimidated, right? But then I love that you referred to yourself as an expert and I was like, own it, girl. I'm over it. I'm over the whole like, oh, I'm afraid of this word. No, I am an expert. I put in my time. I worked my butt off. Yeah. <laughs> I slept for four months, Heidi. Like, <laughs> Good for you, girl. I you love know, that. Like, I just, yeah. I want to step into this confidence and like forget imposter syndrome. I'm a designer and every like... And if you have designed, again, if you have designed, if you've touched a tech pack, if you've done specs, if you've done POMs, you're a designer too, and you're great at it. Yeah. You step into it. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just want to read one thing, because I think you brought it up, and I know I said it too, but it's I just think it's so important, is you will never know it all. You don't have to know it all. It's a matter of you know what you know, and then if there's something that comes up that you don't know how, you own that, and you figure the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a big movement like that. I remember that too. When I was like either listening to something or it was a podcast or something on YouTube or it was just something right where um, it just clicked. Right. It takes one sentence to click. Like you don't need to know how to do a graded spec to make a kick ass tech pack. You You don't need to know all of the construction components to make a really great cute pair of leggings yeah you just got to do it yeah right because you're not going to know how to do it unless you do it yeah yeah it's like chicken egg it's totally chicken egg yeah don't ask the questions just do the thing yeah yeah I love it so much um okay this has been so fun chatting with you I have felt so many good vibes this whole call I'm so pumped about your project um congratulations you really deserve it and that company is lucky to have you um seriously (laughs) tell them to bring you out to denver so we can say hi irl um just for that be like i gotta go see heidi so by the way can you (laughs) expense that i'll be here for 10 minutes and then i am gonna go get a coffee (laughs) um because I feel like we would be friends in real life. I feel like I would be friends in real life with so many of our students that I've chatted I with. I haven't met all of them, obviously, or chatted with all of them. But when I do, I'm like, I love you guys so much. We have such yeah. a great community, too, that I love it. Um, yeah, it's great. You can just ask questions. You can hop on a call like this with somebody, and like yeah. people are happy to help you. Happy. You just have to get over the like fear of asking questions. Totally. Just ask for help. People want to help you. They sure do want to help. <laughs> um, okay, Stacy. The question I ask everybody at the end, what is one thing people never ask you about being a fashion freelancer that you wish they would? Gosh, I wasn't ready. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) says that. They're like, I knew it was coming. Um, I think... Man, this is going to take me a minute. I'm going to probably overthink it. Right. Do you want to share where people can find you online first so you can think about that in the background? Or do you not want not want to multitask? What's one thing that I wish people would ask me about being a successful freelancer, fashion freelancer? My mind just like went completely blank. Um I think I would go back, right? Because that part that we were talking about before is like really important. I think I would talk about how much confidence it takes 
to be a free, a fashion freelancer. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. I mm-hmm. wish people would talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish we created a little bit more of a better environment to talk about it. Yeah. Um, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are who feel alone and feel like they can't reach out to people and they don't feel confident enough and they don't feel like they have enough resources. Um, and I wish that we would all come together. I know we're all at home or brands, but just I wish more people would create more communities with fashion freelancers because it's not about competition. It's about helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. So And I think that like, yeah, I think that like something that I've noticed over the years is that when you bring people together, it in, in a space like this, it almost like, I don't want to say magically because that feels a little too like woo woo, but like that can I guess what I'm trying to get at is like when you bring people together, that can help increase everybody's confidence by being yeah. together, right? Like, yeah. I um, you were you hung out at Freelance Week this year, didn't you? I remember yeah, seeing your I was name. In there. Yeah, you were even totally in there. I'm like in, even though I'm in fast already. Yeah, like I, we have. There's a lot of fast people who still came, and um, yeah. which is awesome. I love it so much. And gosh, you know, the whole vibe there. I mean, obviously, I taught and did trainings and stuff, but like that aside. People's confidence like went through the roof that week because they were surrounded with other people who they realized were going through the same thing. And then they were like, okay, everybody kind of feels this way. All right, we can do this together. We got this. I got this. All right, let's do it. And like, hey, no, you're good enough. No, you're good enough. No, we're all good. Like there was so much of that um, that I think just like bringing people together, like you said, can then have this impact that's our industry is like built on this like weird oh don't steal my stuff I won't steal your stuff oh I won't like like we need to we need to stop with that right like I take IT for example everybody shares everything on GitHub everything is free yeah there's so much like open source and stuff yeah I wish fashion was more open source because we'd be able to help you know we'd be able to help more people more (gasps) not just freelancers but like we could help brands we could help designers We could help in-house people. Right? Where they yeah. say the rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, I don't, I'm not asking you to, you know, speak sensitively about your experience at the Halloween costume place, but um, from, you know, not every brand is toxic. And that's an interesting space that's arguably, um, in my head, wouldn't be as like cutthroat, toxic, backstabby, catty as like some big, you know, fashion, like some big name, hoity-toity stuff. And I've heard, I listen, I, in my career, I worked with a lot of middle America brands, smaller, yeah. nothing glamorous and glitzy, nothing glamorous and glitzy. And, sure. um, the glamorous and glitzy stuff has a little bit more of a reputation for being real rough offices, like real tense, toxic places versus. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, like, how was the culture there? Um, it was interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, 
You can leave it at that yeah, if you I, feel uh, most, most comfortable. What's that? You can leave it at interesting if that's where you want to leave it. Yeah, um, I'll try to like drop a couple more things, but like I'm very grateful for the experience there. I got to design some really cool shit. I got to make. Yeah. I got to work under Disney licenses and all these movie licenses. I have lounge fly bags that are in the market right now. That's so cool. Like, yeah. You know, I touched all this like hair, like Harry Potter assets, Beetlejuice assets. I did all this really cool, interesting stuff. But, um, you know, it's really hard work. It was really really tough so but it was probably some of the coolest stuff I've ever designed but I'm excited to see what I design next so I would but say- yeah you're just getting started with this whole other career that like look at where you're going to be in five years from here who knows yeah. it's going to be amazing yeah the 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 culture was really really cool but it was definitely a really interesting experience yeah okay All right. <laughs> um cool where can everybody connect with you online and say hi and see what you're doing yeah, for sure. So my Instagram is baby new. Um, it just has a little like information. So, um, but maybe by the time this recording drops, there will be more content. Yeah. It is at natural 20 sportswear, all spelled out. Natural um, 20 sportswear. That's my Instagram handle. Okay. Yep. Uh, if any nerds are listening, they'll know the meaning. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that means. Sure. It's a D and D reference. So oh, Dungeons um, and Dragons. Okay. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So the 20, basically, when you roll a 20, you can do anything. Ah, okay. Yeah. Or you can, know you know, you can you can attempt to do anything. So, like, if you're, for example, if you're a little, like, you're a little human and you're up against one of the highest dragons, you'll get a hit, even though it's, like, thousands of levels higher than you. So it's yeah. all about, like, okay. you know, you roll a 20, like, let's do it. We can do anything. We can make amazing things and yeah. it'll be the highest quality and let's go. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, and then my email is uh, Stacy S-T-A-Y-C-E at natural20sportswear.com. Okay. Awesome. We'll link everything yeah. up in the show notes and people can reach out and say hi and yeah, get to know I you a little better. That. Come yeah. and hang out. I'm down to help. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stacy. This was really fun to chat. Yeah. I had a great time. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Stacey. What a blast I had chatting with you. Um, you guys listening, I hope you could feel the energy between the two of us. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Stacey and I have been chatting in one way or another for a long time, um, back and forth on email and Instagram. And it was really, really fun to get to talk to her, especially at such a pivotal moment during her career with their massive project that she just landed. Um, so I really hope that you enjoyed the episode. A huge shout out to my team behind the scenes who helps make everything possible. Tara, Brittany, and Daniel, you guys are so kick-ass. I really, really appreciate you. Um, and my husband, Mark, who does all the tech and editing for the show to make sure it sounds good in your ears. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Freelance Accelerator uh, and how you can kick major ass like Stacy is, head on over to sohidy.com slash fast linked up in the show notes. You can also grab my free resources at soheidi.com slash freelance. Um, and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you so much. I hope you're having an awesome day, whatever it is you're doing. I appreciate you being here and listening to the show. Your support is does not go unnoticed. Please know that. Um, I think that's it. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Talk to you in the next episode. Bye.